Hello everyone and welcome for another recap race analysis here on the Second Game Extra channel or if you're watching while well, listening on the podcast, you can't watch on a podcast. Today we are discussing Strive Yankee 2024 and here to do so or dissecting what happened is Patrick Blake of Audi Cycling or one third of the Echelon Cycling Podcast. And I mean, Patrick, yeah, what happened in the race? It was an absolutely crazy edition of Strade Bianchi and if you missed it, I, I am very sorry for you because it, it was really one for the ages. And really characterised by the the Montes San Marie, which is the really long gravel sector, is the one where Pidcock went last year. But of course, this time it was with about 90 kilometres to go. Just before this, I mean, we did have some moves and it was raining. You know, we had Quinn Simmons go off the front, Tom Schoins tried to get in the early breakaway. And, you know, the early move really got absorbed with about 100 kilometres to go. So they didn't have a massive part to play. But Tali Pigaccia, he broadcast to everyone at the start of the day that on this sector, the one where Pidcock attacked last year, that this is where he was going to go. And I wasn't too sure if he was actually going to do it. But then UAE, they had good numbers with Del Toro, Valens and Hershey. And they started ramping it up and Pagacha went. Cuss tried to follow, couldn't do it. And Pagacha just went with 80-something kilometres to go. And that's what happened. And then he rode on into the distance. Van Hills tried to launch some kind of counter move to try and follow him. And to be fair, he looked very strong and maybe, you know, was probably the second strongest rider on the day. But he he couldn't make it across to Tade, so he, he eventually got reabsorbed into the group. Another counter move went containing, you know, some of the big riders. Quint Simmons brought down Tom Schoins in a rather hilarious little crash which probably just shouldn't have happened but then Tade just kept riding off that, and that's what happened Van Hills did launch another move Schoins then launched a move and caught up to Van Hills and those two worked very well behind Tade Pitcock launched a move from the group behind as well and was working solo the last 20 kilometers or so and eventually we came into Siena we came into the Piazza del Campo. Tade Pagaccia solo had a three-minute gap. Three minutes on Schoins and Van Hills. Tade Pagaccia with the crowd just adoring him, giving high fives all round, takes the 18th edition of the Strada Bianchi ahead of Tom Schoins and Maxim Van Hills, who were two incredibly strong performers today. You know, they were you know, absolute chapeau to them. Tom Pitcock holds on to fourth place with his solo attack in the last 20 kilometers. Mahorich soloed away from the group behind to finish in fifth. And then we had rounding out the top 10. Kuznafoy, Formolo, Lenny Martinez on debut. Very good performance from the young French climber. Filippo Zana in ninth place. And Christophe Laporte. Scott, what what did you make of it? Pigaccio soloed off. I was thinking, well, the last... 80-kilometer solo attack that I can remember was Chris Froome in the 2018 Giro d'Italia. This is the longest solo attack that I've seen from a rider, I think, in six years. Yeah, well, like, for that, like, for race, I guess, because I, I, he did, like, something at Trevalicina, or whatever it's called, that one-day race where I think it was, like, ho- over 100 kilometers. But this is also the biggest margin in terms of the 18 editions, 2 minutes and 44 seconds between him and Tom Scoynge, and obviously double winner now as well. What did I think of it? I mean, I thought you... I. I don't know if he was this, like, obviously he was strong, very strong, but I think 
there was teams behind him that could have done something that they didn't. And we'll talk a bit more about that as well. But yeah, Tiber Gacha, like panache, everything, keeping the sport interesting is not just, uh, yeah, how many, when do we see Chris Froome do this at Strad Bianchi or see Nib- well, okay, Nibali? I'm putting him in the panache category as well, but like a Contador or someone like that and at a one day setting. And uh, yeah, no, I thought it was incredible ride and first race, <laughs> first win. His last victory was Il Lombardia. He almost long attack there as well. And then just, yeah, crazy. Do you think that the 30 kilometers extra added anything to the race? I think it, it, don't you think it like grounded down some of the pretenders a bit as well? And you were saying that the the strongest riders were going to come a bit more. And like the domestiques were basically wiped out by the time we were getting into the closing parts. Like many of the teams were isolated. One of the teams that, well, Visma Lisa by kind of imploded. Um, but I, I thought it did add something. And yeah, I know you, you're the chief advocate for not making our monument status, but it made a, a teeny bit closer to the monument. Uh, sectors obviously it doesn't have the history etc etc if it went any longer the race would just be too hard dare I say the fact that Pagacha won at 215 kilometers if you made it longer it's just going to be like the margin of victory might just be bigger I wouldn't make it any longer I think this was this was fine if you enjoy 80 kilometer raids you know an 80 kilometer raid this year is fine but if it happened for the next two years are you going to enjoy it every single time probably not I think this time around it was fine, but um, I, I don't want to see this race any longer. Okay, so I was doing the stream, and um, I've come up with a new segment, because uh, why not? Donkey of the Day, and I think this uh, <laughs> this award goes to Visma Lisa Bike, because they frustrated the hell out of me. Not only Seb Kuss was trying to mark Tadabagacha, but I don't think Seb Kuss had the legs in terms of just you were talking maybe a dark horse obviously a lot of GC riders have done well at this race Juan Bade was in the race he's finished second before Tybergaccia obviously GC rider but Egan Bernal but he wasn't in this race but they had the most riders when Tybergaccia disappeared up the road we had Ineos do a lot of the work to try and close down the gap while Bisma Lisa bike was sitting on and doing absolutely nothing it was a bit like last year. Last year we saw them do really well, Kerner and Omlut. Fantastic tactics there, win both races. Then when we came to Visma, uh, well, Strabianchi, they kind of, Im- their tactics Im- imploded their uh, results. And I think they did a bit of this here as well. I'm not even sure who their highest placed rider was. It was definitely nowhere near top three. And uh, yeah, I just thought that was absolutely terrible. They should fire if they do have a strategist like they do in F1. They should fire that person because that was absolutely terrible. I agree. I think Visma Lisa Bike, it was strange because Kuss tried to follow Pogaccia, but then they put Kuss on the front, working with Ineos for a little bit. They had Volta in there, they had Tullet, they had Laporte, and I just, I didn't understand it either. When they had four riders in there, I mean, to answer your question, Laporte was the highest finisher in 10th place. I don't get why they put Kuss on the front. I don't get why they didn't put Tullet or, or Volta on there, considering that they ended up finishing quite low down. I think that Sepp was probably like a decent option, but I think putting him on the front was just a shame. I think he's just, it, I think his brain just automatically goes into domestique mode. I think he needs to um, 
he needed to be more of like a leader today. I don't think Laporte was the correct person to be going with today. I think best case scenario was that Laporte would have been able to do what Mahoric did and finish in fifth place, to be honest with you. I think Sepp had a better shot. So I agree, Donkey of the Day is just visibly back on a whole. Very stark contrast to their opening weekend strategy. Really weird. I'm looking forward to this segment. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> uh, someone came up with it on the street. But in terms of Tom Pickcock, obviously defending champion, a long distance, I was kind of caveat here, but yeah, did you think they played? Because uh, I was so confused why nobody marked Tadabagache. It's not like Tadabagache is a nobody. We all know that he can do this. So, like, why was Pickcock not locked on his wheel? I don't know. I, th- I think it was just tricky because it's done that segment, the the, the Sam Nolly segment. I just, I mean, because it was wet, I think it was just really strung out and they were just shuffled back a little bit too much. There were points where I didn't even know if Pitcock was in the group. I thought he was dropped. I think his, like you say, his positioning maybe wasn't perfect today. Even if he was there, I'm not even sure if he would have been able to follow Taddy or if he was able to follow. I'm not sure if he would have been able to withstand the another attack or another two or three attacks from Taddy. Pitcock finishing four, I think is, is fine. You know, could he have been in that group containing Schoins and Van Hills? Possibly yes, but I think that Schoins and Van Hills had that underdog aspect where people were thinking, oh, you know, we'll let them off the front and, you know, but they'll get brought back. I think Ineos were looked to a lot to work and then they ended up just burning everyone. And like you say, by the time that all the domestiques were burnt and it was just leaders left, Pitcock was kind of left looking around like, oh my word, I need to do this all by myself. And by that point, Schoins and Van Hills had already gone. So, I just think a couple of things went against him, but I think that still finishing in fourth place is a good result and promising for the future races on his program, which I think Torreno is his next one. So, we'll wait and see what he does there. Yeah, I mean, his record is still really good as starter, fifth, first, and then now fourth. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, the Group 2 dynamics was so frustrating to watch as a fan. Like, oh my goodness, nobody was willing to. The race was disappearing up the road. They there was one time where they had like they were around two minutes, and then they started looking at each other, and bang, they just lost a minute. Frustrating, like so ah. Uh. Yeah, it was a it was a little bit like watching when Demi Vollering or Rayusa or whoever goes off the front for SD works, and then everyone else kind of like looks behind. It was kind of it was akin to that. It was almost like the women's race. Like the group two mentality was like it's like the strategy in the women's race today was but was really good and the men's race was a little bit kind of like weird like nobody really knew what was going on maybe it is just because of the longer distance you know I, I do believe that maybe if a race was shorter maybe you would have had a few more domestiques and it would have played out a bit differently but you know it is the way that it is 215 kilometers I just think that maybe we got down to leaders a bit too soon with like a near an hour of racing left and therefore group two dynamics come in really quickly when you've got a load of just leaders and none of them want to be the one to put in a fractional bit more effort than somebody else because they'll get dropped at the end yeah but i mean great result for tom scoring friend of the channel great result for maximum and gills as well like both of them this is a Great performance as well. Obviously, the title catch a great performance, but Maxim Mangils and Tom Scoinge, this is 
one day peak results for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we did a donkey of the day. Do you want, did you want to give a rider of the day? <laughs> yeah, well? sure. Yeah. Time to gotcha. Done. <laughs> I, w- I want to give it to person who I am a big fan of, who you did an interview with, oh. Francesco Passata. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big performance from him. 21 years old. I couldn't believe it was him. I thought it was Lorenzo Rota, but that was a really good performance. Shows how well he can climb. And I think that's just fantastic signs for Passato in the future. Yes, there are lots of people like Martinez and other people who did good on debut, but I just, I'm a big fan of Passato. So whenever I can give him a shout out, I will do so. My kind of rider of the day is Passato for sure. Right, yeah, I mean, uh, you can check that out on the Echelon Cycling Podcast because we have uh, the, an interview with him there. But anyways, that's basically it for us of this Strad Bianchi, the 18th edition. Uh, hit the like button if you haven't already. Uh, subscribe to the channel here. And of course, check out Patrick's channels as well, Audi Cycling. Um, there's plenty of previews going up there as well. And uh, check out the Echelon Cycling Podcast, available every week. But with that, thank you very much for watching and we will see you in the next one. That's it. I'll get on with that. All right. See you at some point.